by Here in the Now. I'm your host, as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher so you never miss an episode. Leave a five-star review while you're there. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at BlockTalkNYC, and visit TheaterTheNow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. Apparently, cheating internationally is a thing you can do. Phonegate was the hot topic of this episode, and it was after the Queens took on a daytime chat show challenge. So how did this scandal rock the season? You're about to find out as we break down everything Drag Race Holland 2. Joining me is someone who probably stashed away a secret phone into this podcast. Welcome, Atomic Annie. Hello. Hi, how's it going? Good. It's been a wild day. Listeners, you have no idea what this what it took to make this podcast happen today, and you're never going to find out. Um, but welcome. Welcome to Block Talk. Thank you for ha- having me. So this episode was a wild one, and I want to make sure we just stick to Holland. So we're going to focus right now on the drag news of the week, because there's always drag news of the week, because there's so much drag race going on. Of course. All right. All right. So here's the news. First up, Canada's Drag Race 2 cast is revealed. They will be beginning on October 14th. Did you get to see the cast? Any favorites stick out? I did. I may be a little biased because I have uh, had the opportunity of speaking with Eve 6000 a few times, mm-hmm. but she is my pick to win. I'm uh, the thing that stood out to me is just the diversity of this cast, I think, is pretty unprecedented for Drag Race. I believe yeah. nine out of ten of the queens are people of color. Um, and I think a quarter of the cast is under the trans umbrella. And I just, it, it's nice to see the sort of reverse Drag Race down underification of this of this group yeah. of queens. Yeah, I, um, when it posted, I had a friend uh, message me like, oh my God, it's so white. I was like, one, you didn't do your homework. Two, okay, maybe they're white presenting but no 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 right. no. this is a very right. diverse cast um yeah i i'm interested i i watched the meet the queens videos which was basically a minute which were 30 seconds nonsense piece, by the way yeah it was nonsense um i'm not sure i'm like excited by anyone particularly which is not a bad thing yeah. But also not a good thing. Like I remember seeing the cast for the first season, being like, "I know who wins. Priyanka's going to win this. She's the best." And I yeah. was clearly correct. This season, there's not really a front runner for me. I do enjoy Eve just... Six Thousand because that name, right? <laughs> Which is surprising that so many people don't get it. Even avid users of Eve Six Thousand glue. Like mm-hmm. I, I found that was interesting. But um, I had I, I literally promo... go for it. Yeah, go ahead. No, I literally had a friend text me, like, in all caps, like, once they understood what her name was. I was like, it's funny, right? Yeah, Yeah, I I mean, I think what was weird to me is, like, the whole promo sort of felt low energy. I think it was just because they gave the queen so little time to explain themselves. Yeah. But it was sort of, like, name, geography, cultures you belong to, I'm ready to win. Like, it was was all sort of formulaic. So I I think my main concern is, like, you know, any cast of drag queens every couple of months, like doing their thing on TV, I'm super excited for. I think I'm just cautiously optimistic about the judging and how the producing of Canada's drag race, hopefully it'll improve because I think the Canadian we'll girls see. deserve better. We'll see. We sure will. Well, 
I'm excited for it, but we got to talk a little bit about Drag Race UK 3 because we got some, they loved telling us who's going to be guest judging all that stuff. First off, we have our two contestants for Snatch Game. It is going to be Judy Love, who is a comedian and a panelist on uh, Loose Women. So very apropos for our Holland episode. For those who don't know what Loose Women is, that is basically their version of The View um they don't have like a full set rotation of women who do it it's like 20 of them like per season it's very confusing very confusing and she will be joined by yeah yeah and then she will be joined by nadine Coyle of girls aloud fame which is very exciting um because you will definitely need to have your um closed captions on because that accent is a lot um (laughs) But speaking of Nadine Coyle, if you can't understand her accent, you may have understood her accent if you watch the show Dairy Girls, because my favorite Nicola Coughlin is going to be one of the guest judges. And I think she's the most excited guest judge any of the franchises ever had. I think she's posted about it four or five times already. So I'm I'm so excited to have her. Uh, Russell Tovey will be one of our guest judges, as well as music icon Lulu. Um, Americans, you probably have no idea who she is, but if you know her music, you then you'll figure out who she is. So, I'm excited. I'm excited for UK three. It's it's gonna be a good season. I find that it's one of the more engaging international franchises. I think that down yeah. under, it felt like this weird relationship with two permanent American judges and then this group of queens mm-hmm. that were kind of uh, working in a different culture. But I think that the presence of pretty much exclusively UK guest judges um, having like a rotating panel of UK people. And like, I don't know, it, it feels a little bit more um, fresh and put together at the same time, if that yeah. makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm really excited for it. Um, obviously I don't, I don't, I don't even know if I mentioned on the podcast because there's always so much drag news drag race down under two is casting. So that's the thing that's happening as well. Right. The, um, the lowest standards uh, clearly are getting picked up for multiple seasons. But you yeah, know what? well, I mean, I, listen, I hope the second they, season is better. Vanity will win. She couldn't do season one she, because she broke her arm. She could do season two. She'll win. It'll be fine. It will be great. Yeah, um, be great. But let's just let, let's hope they do a little more research on the queens before they um, cast them. Yeah, no kidding. That being said, Scarlett Adams is still on OnlyFans and do what you want. Love that for her. Friends. Yeah. Yeah. She needs money somehow. <laughs> okay. Holland 2. Let's let let let's discuss. How are you enjoying it so far? I will preface this by saying I think it's an improvement from season 1. Um mm-hmm. I found season 1's editing to be really confusing. I there were so many like inconsistent storylines. Um I I found that the kind of group of queens Queens didn't always click super well. There wasn't a lot of chemistry that really translated onto TV. But I will say about this season, uh, as we saw in this episode, I think that it uh, this cast just makes for pretty entertaining TV. And I think uh, something that's carried over from the first season is just the unbelievable art on every runway that we've been seeing. Yes. So I think regardless of maybe questionable judging or, you know, producerial quirks, I think that the runways are really where this particular franchise like absolutely i mean i i think last season i don't know if fred and the producers really knew what they were doing so when you got to like envy's like fourth win you're like why are we even 
he, let's just go to the finale already. Give her the crown. Let, right. Let's all pretend we're, we're here for something. Or when this Abby season, and Mama's at least... Queen's lip sync was a double save. <laughs> we don't speak of that. that. <laughs> Listen, I have no problems with a double save going into a finale. Tace and Ellie Diamond, I fully believe, both deserved that one. Um, I agree. Mama Queen and Abby, not, not a chance. But yeah, I think Fred <laughs> is finally understanding that you need to shake it up a little bit. And I feel like I know who's going to win, but it is still a mystery. I, I, there, there, there are well, three horses in the race because if yeah. Vivaldi gets it, we're, we lost. We lost hope in Drag Race. Hundred percent. But we're going to talk about all that. So let us start from the beginning. The queens read the countess's mirror message. Juices. I don't know what that meant. Maybe it's a Dutch thing, but by the countess, you were very pretty. You you will gain a personality following the show, I'm sure. They all decide to discuss how they felt about her lip sync. And as Vanessa says, she was moving like a penguin, which is very generous of her to say. Um, Tabita wants praise because she did the entire thing in a corset, which is very, very brave for um, our the old horse in the race. Um, but Puni and Tabita tag team clean in the mirror, and they are really just there admiring Puni's ass because why not? It's there. It's pretty. We love it. 100%. So Vanessa wants to know who Vivaldi's lesbian friend is going to be now. She jokes, it's Vanessa. And watch that last for a literal five minutes. Right. Oh my it God. It was weirdly um, foreshadowing. <laughs> it was so freakishly foreshadowed. Um, because they have had a weird relationship all season. They have not been on the same yeah. page, but I feel like they're being civil for camera's sake. Right. And I've, I've sort of, we can talk about this a little bit more in depth later, but there's this vibe I've gotten from Bifaldi specifically directed at Vanessa and not so much with Tabita, which I think is interesting, but I, I find that there's this sort of attitude of like a lack of respect for Vanessa. Um, mm -hmm. And it always comes up when Vanessa's talking about her struggles, which I think obviously culminated and came to a head at this episode with Vanessa's frustration right. with her, but it, their vibe has always seemed a little off the entire season. Yeah, it's, I, I don't want to pigeonhole her and say it's a, a new school versus old school drag situation, but it kind of is. It, it's I kind of a cut and dry example. Of yeah, that. Vivaldi really has a very different perspective on the art of drag, which is fine. It is valid. It is the thing that is currently happening. But you have to understand where drag came from. And more yes. so with Tabita over... Vanessa, because Vanessa is more of a chameleon. She can evolve into whatever she wants to do. She's miscontinental, Tabita, darling. Exactly. Tabita is the definition of old school drag. She, she, you get what you get, and that's all you're going to get. Right. I think that um, so, something yeah. about pageant queens, I think, can really, at least on Drag Race, it seems to turn off a lot of the alternative new age kind of do your own yeah. thing queens and i'm i'm not sure what that's about but i think that was extremely evident with their relationship absolutely well vivaldi knows she's left with the other bitches but in the end she's just here to win they celebrate being the top five and vanessa is crazy happy that she finally won the challenge vivaldi meanwhile says um bitchy bitter die bitch not she's joking for now and to me to thinks vivaldi is shocked she sent a queen with a badge home but that's all on that because we're moving right ahead 
Episode six is here. Vanessa is recharged. Winning gave her a bit of self-confidence as she clacks that fan. She's ready to go. I think she needed that win. 100%. And she, and I, she needed frankly, to see Stevie. I, yeah. I, I think that this was the only time in a makeover challenge where someone's significant other. Um, nope. That is not correct at all. But what I will say is I think that them being able to tell their story um, as like a couple that included like a trans woman and a cis straight man I thought was like important to show because I think there's just so many really harmful misconceptions about trans women um, and their significant others Um, and so I think that was part of what cinched the win for her as well and there were actually other times I thought she was deserving of a win I'm glad she got it now it really Mm -hmm. seems to have momentarily improved her outlook on the competition but we'll again get into that in a sec absolutely Everyone has a pin, but Pizza, she knows that she will have to do her best from this point forward. She believes she can get to the finale without any badges, but Kata tells her she needs to needs better looks. She's not wrong. Uh, but <laughs> according to Tabita, she's always beautiful. And yet again, we need some delusion out of someone from the season. And Tabita is taking on Candy Muse's role. <laughs> right. I'd say she's one of the uh, poopy poisons of the world. In terms of the her fashion game. Oh, it's true, but we love Poopy. To be to not He's as much. We yeah. love Poopy Poison. All right, so none of them think they're going home next, but Vanessa would like to see Vivaldi go with her attitude and arrogance. She tells Vivaldi that she agrees with the judges that she's pretty young in some areas. Again, Vivaldi speaks her mind, and Vanessa's like, you know what? I'm going to speak my mind, too. I'm going to tell you I just don't like you. Which is valid and also confrontational. Exactly. I don't think I would ever have the nerve to tell someone, I think you're arrogant to their face. I, do, I don't think I could do it. I would tell everybody else who would then tell them and I'd get fucked over because that's how New York City nightlife works. But um, <laughs> I, just, I, don't, I couldn't do it. I would not be able to do what either of the two of them do to each other. Yeah, it was, I was shocked at how direct both of them were being. And my understanding is that, particularly in Dutch culture, the nuance is like less dialed up as it is in America. People are just very straightforward. Um, right. But that, it really, maybe it's as an American, but it just struck me as very bold of both of them to just have that conversation. Absolutely. Vivaldi says she's the only one amongst the gravediggers. Um, I'm going to maybe say that the translation on the bottom of the closed captioning meant like corpses because I don't think it was supposed to be grave diggers. Two different things, right. I think. Very I was a little confused. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I have been told that the um, closed captioning has been better this season because last season I w- apparently said things that um, the Dutch were like, no, that's not accurate. I was like, I'm reading. No, I, I can't speak Dutch. We're going off of right. us. But Vivaldi reminds Tabita that she has a target on her back without any badges, but since Vanessa said her name, she should go home too. It is time for Rumail, where they will be confused until Fred walks in, where they will become even more confused by Fred's circus's ja- circus jacket. Is he a ringleader now? I think that he is trying to take a page out of RuPaul's book with these suits. Um, I'm not sure what the storyline he was trying to give was. But it's it was a the look. denim it was a jackets. 
it was it was definitely a look. The denim jackets, like when it went from like that first blue, it was like this. Did you just forget you had work today? And then it got a little better because it was at least they were fun and casual. This right. one, I was like, ah, there's no story here. I think it's we- problematic if your fashion brand is like a heel, a, like some form of jacket and culottes. Like he consistently gives us a capri length pant with a heel out of drag. Not everyone can be supreme deluxe. That is very true. Not even Rue can be Supreme Deluxe. I'm sorry. <laughs> Supreme Deluxe destroyed that. How she's, she's in her own do, world. How she's going to do it better next season, I really don't know how, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what she can do. Absolutely. Also confusing is this coordinated counting with the pose. I mean, did I just learn this now that they're doing this? But I did also not learn how to speak Dutch or learn how to count in Dutch because... Still confusing. Still confusing for me. I wanted to learn Dutch, but it didn't happen here. Do yeah. you enjoy these little it. moments um, where they're coordinating some like a little act for Fred? Um, I I feel like it's charming. I just it always strikes me as a little like I don't know. Look at me and like very yeah. like theater kid energy, which isn't always bad. Um, but it it, right. it always comes off as a little bit like um why i i don't know it always it's a little off well fred tells them that they you have to work hard play hard and ask ask them if they've had enough oxygen because he's inviting the pit crew in oh boy um they basically naked uh we love shirtless men showcasing their bods i was going to use that as the background for my um uh for the zoom but i knew that i would then go to instagram and i knew someone was gonna um uh say there's too much nudity and i was like i'm we're not it's not gonna be worth it but four pit crew members is not enough less is boring more come in and we end up with 16 lovely men who are then forced to disrobe their shorts to reveal jock straps um listen i am horny i'm lonely this did not help me whatsoever. So number eight, please call me. Maybe you have to did learn you, that now. Exactly. Um, did you have a favorite pit crew member? I was just focused on the fact that more and more of them kept coming in. And I kept thinking to it myself, they filmed this season during, right. I kept thinking to myself, they filmed this season during COVID. How yeah. did they keep this within the production rules? Maybe, maybe things are better in Holland or the Netherlands, but. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. ooh, he's cute. And then more would keep coming in. And then I was just sort yeah. of like, the amount of bodies in this studio, far too much. Correct. Um, again, if anyone has their information, come on the podcast. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk to them all. But yeah, I, I agree with you because that, that was the first thing that came to my mind. I was like, we don't, we didn't even have that many in the American version. Like, what? How, 16? Like three. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, For this mini challenge, it's a good old-fashioned memory game. Each sexy boy has a gay emoji painted on their ass, and the queen who gets the most matches wins. Um, May I ask what lucky motherfucker got to paint these gay emojis on these beautiful men's ass? I would like (laughs) that job. Yeah, maybe you can get a uh, a spot as a co-producer of the show. Yeah. um, Again, we're close for comfort for COVID, but... Someone right. literally drew emojis on boys' butts. Look, it seems like Envy's the resident makeup artist of the show, so maybe she got some help from the uh, the countess since she's not not present it, anymore. It's possible. 
Well, Tabitha starts and she is digmatized. She cannot make a match to save her ass. She is focused on the actual asses. Vanessa isn't making any matches, but then we see Keta makes the first one um, of the group. And um, like Vivaldi, I too was just looking at asses. I really don't know what the point of this game was, but Puni apparently has a very good memory and is guessing so many right. Um, did you notice that like some of the underscoring for this was the music from Snatch Game? Yeah. So something I was going to mention about this episode specifically, we'll get to it. I think it was the workroom of the runway where I noticed it. The sound was fucking crazy this episode. Yeah. The like, sound it was, was very bad. I, I feel like people... The sound maybe, was bad and Vivaldi's confessional lighting was like... Unflattering to say the least. She was she was like telling she a deserved story. it. She deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe she could have used that phone flashlight to give herself something better. But it it's was true. just the all of it was just sort of like ambient. And it, it seemed like maybe microphones were going under breastplates or behind yeah. costumes. It was off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, music weird choice, but um then before we learn who's gonna win, uh Fred forces all the boys to turn around and shake their ass. Um, I hope there is a gif of that somewhere. If not, I will learn how to make one. Or you can just DM Lee Dawson and I'm sure he's got your back. There we go. With five matches, My Little Pony is the winner of the mini challenge. Um, we are now going to learn that the Max challenge is going to be a take on a morning chat show called Coffee Made. For this challenge, they will not be not only be playing a role, but they will be reading off a teleprompter and improvising as the winner my little pony will get to pick her role first and the rest will fight for their parts are you a fan of morning talk shows i think that the camp of a morning talk show is something very inherently drag which is why this is a challenge that i'm never really mm-hmm. going to be mad at often i kind of like it when there's more queens uh, i think uk season two had this with slightly bigger like a yeah. slightly bigger group and I thought it was more successful because it came up more as a variety show rather than just this weird group of friends. Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing, again, what I love about the international seasons is this is my way of learning what culture is like in other countries because we do right. not do talk shows like this. Like we, this, the closest thing we would call this is like a Today Show or Good Morning America, which is very mm-hmm. news focused. This is all about being silly and having fun. Sure, shows in like um, this morning in uh, Britain, uh, whatever this was supposed to be, they have, a, it's a lot looser themed and and they have a lot right. more fun. So it, it lends itself for a challenge here. Um, and also this is a, a, a slight sidebar. I would love to see a goggle box themed challenge on Drag Race UK. Mm-hmm. I think that's prime for the show's format and I think it would be really fun to see what people did. I, I think it is when they're able to do it. I'm sure right. it will happen. Well, with one look, Vanessa has already found the role for her, um, but everyone else needs to speak before she claims it. Keta doesn't know what a medium is, so Tabita has to explain that a medium is like a psychic. Did she really not know what a medium was? Maybe that's an American term or something, but it seemed like Tabita knew. I I think Keta is 40. And also she does a lot of like witchy drag. I don't know. It just sort of seems like right. a very common term. Yeah. Pony is having trouble finding a role that will suit her, but she finally decides on the co-host who is having problems with her muff. 
The second that Puni claims that part, Vanessa hands on wants the medium. She wants it. She can bring her spiritual side to it. She can be a witch, which I did not know she liked. Um, not something we had seen so far. Yeah. Tabita is like, she can have it. I wanted it, but I'll do something else. Literally, maybe seconds away from the Queens, Fred walks back in asking how the allocating of the roles is. They barely had time to look at the script and he's back in that room. The I find editing. it very it's fascinating. Still weird. Yeah. It's uh, maybe it's their production schedule. They have to make it a little tighter, but I, uh, yeah, we know that it's always going to be the same day, but usually there's a little more like breathing room in between the host coming back in to discuss the challenge. I was going to say it looked like during the challenge, everyone was kind of in quick drag. No one seemed to be fully uh, ready to come out of the oven. I'll put it yeah. that way. Exactly. So, Fred is really only back to tell them that they will not be on set alone. He has invited Dutch morning show legend, the queen of daytime television, Catherine Kyle, um, and then literally walks out the room. The rest of the parts. Vivaldi wants to be the wig, do the wig segment as she does wigs for Fred, Envy Peru, and Madame Madness. Um, so if anyone knows how to sell a wig, it's her. Keta wants to be the other host, and so does Sabita because she knows she's not going to be the medium. Now, what else is she going to do? Will we have a fight? No, because Puni is going to decide she'd rather work with her ex that, that she knows she has some chemistry with than work with Tabitha, who she doesn't know how to play off. But Tabitha is a born actress. She can play whatever role she gets, no matter what. Which role would you have picked? I would have picked the psychic. Um, I think mm -hmm. that's all you can do the most with. And we'll talk about it in a second. But there was that one moment that I think in, in the eyes of the judges and I think somewhat in her own eyes was Vanessa's downfall when her turban fell off but I think that that was mm -hmm. an ample moment to be like oh girl like the ghosts got me like it's really powerful yeah. like I, I there was so much I think to work with as like a Colin uh Miss Cleo kind of character and I just thought she was really again real low energy yeah absolutely well we are on set and if you told me a blind person designed it, I would believe you because there is absolutely no cohesion to the set. It's like they threw anything onto that stage that they had in the backstage area. Um, maybe maybe their budget is busted. Maybe they used it uh, for something else. But they are immediately yeah, to introduced me it to the like grand... those. Sorry, it, yeah, to ahead. me it looked like those um, like music videos they used to film with Matthew in the early seasons, where it was a curtain and like a chair. And it was just yeah. sort of a smattering of furniture in like a weird sound stage. And I was just sort of, yeah. sort of like, what am I supposed to be picturing here? Exactly. Um, they are immediately introduced to the grand dam of Dutch television, Catherine Kyle. Her advice is to stay true to yourself, consider the questions and be natural. Fred asks her about reading an auto cue, which we call a teleprompter. Uh, she says that the text scrolls up Hope that they're lucky and it doesn't go too fast because you have to know your lines or you will be sitting there with no words. Um, I know that if I were in a situation like that, I would be shitting my pants the entire time. I barely can read yeah. the, the script that I write for this podcast. Yeah, I think it's that it was fun. interesting that they had them memorize a script and then the teleprompter was literally just like, now do improv. And I, mm -hmm. I feel like they should have gone one direction or the other because they, they just sort of seemed, other than a few people, they sort of seemed like they were looking back and forth a lot. Um, so yeah. it, it all just seemed like muddy or something. 
Yep. Well, Fred is about to start rolling, but Poonie has an issue. Her boobs are out, and she cannot get her jacket closed. So what is the solution? Her and Keta switch spots. Um, so the boobs aren't staring straight down the barrel of the camera. There you go. There's an easy solution. I mean, she After, did a Wendy Williams, which I think was admirable. <laughs> very daytime talk show. Very, very true. Who apparently has COVID now? Is this, is this fact? Oh, my God. Apparently, Wendy Williams has COVID. I feel like the only way we're going to find out is for her to go on her show COVID positive and be like, hello. Like, did you hear? Did you see that clip of no. her saying, yeah, my mom died? Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, no. Well, after a terrible, terrible theme song sung by the queens, they welcome the audience back. Hedda has adopted a very high pitch that I think dolphins in the Pacific Ocean could probably hear. Queen of Sonar. Yes. Pony reads her lines. Keta is next and Fred stops them. He tells her to be faster, but with faster comes kookier. Uh, both Keta and Pony are on top of each other physically, and they are just moving their bodies all over the place. Couldn't tell you what was going on. I had I was lost. The combination of the voices, the language I didn't understand, the mistranslated subtitles, and then that weird music in the background mm-hmm. that I think was from something else. Um, it all just Probably. was sort of a blur of like, like latex boobs and like cock destroyers cosplay. It was, it felt like the comeback of yeah. uh, Keta's Snatch Game, which I wasn't mad mm-hmm. at because I thought that was funny, but it was just, it was like just bright colors and loud noises. Exactly. We get to the first improv bit. Pony reveals that she is worried that she still has something stuck in her pussy, which you can't say on television. Um, and then they refer to the kids watching. But no, she meant her box, of course. And speaking of kids, the first segment on the show is a new TikTok dance trend. Um, I am still very proud that I do not TikTok. Don't have TikTok. Don't watch TikTok. Can't do it. I can't do it. I bet you are a TikToker, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, as a Gen Z or myself, I can confirm that you are not wasting any time by staying oh, good, on that good, app. Good, good. It is a lot of uh, applauding white cishat mediocrity, uh, which I think is just really emblematic of the rest of the internet. So save your time. There you go. Um, so this TikTok apparently has gotten parents concerned and fearful because it's so provocative and flamboyant, a.k.a. it's probably gay. Um, they all dance. And there's a lot of grinding. Um, I would love to not see Vivaldi and Tabita grinding on each other ever again, if that is okay. Um, 100%. Mm-hmm. And then the telephone rings. And it's Fred telling them that he now feels extremely slutty because this dance was shown on television. So he wants to talk to the head of Coffee Maid, who happens to be Keta. No, it's Poony. And then they start fighting. And I would like to believe this is the foreplay that they had as a couple. Yeah, I, as the season has progressed, I keep thinking to myself, what was that relationship like? They I don't just know. sort of seemed real weird together, but like not in a fun way, in a like, we're best friends. Like it, it seems like their relationship was either largely platonic or they just had really bad sex. I think they're both bottoms. I think they right. suction cupped a lot. Um, I mean, look, probably that's why what it didn't work. they were doing on that couch, so. <laughs> it sure was. Um, 
So after this fight, they think they're going to break, but the teleprompter is out of lines and they go silent. And this is when Fred and Catherine stop them and tell them they have to use their imagination. So what do they do? Go back to fighting. <laughs> right. Come Which, on. I mean, come on. It, I don't know if it was an imagination or they were just predicting the next 15 minutes. Exactly. So the breaks are important because that makes them money and money is going to go to Keta's porno palace in Mykonos. Um, have you ever been to Mykonos or a porno palace? So my knowledge of Mykonos is limited, uh, specifically limited to that video of Lindsay Lohan uh, just grinding, saying that's a yep. party Mykonos bitch. Uh, but I, I don't know. They just kept adding things and it sort of felt like the script was responsible in a weird way. Like they, yeah. they, like you said, they added coffee made and then there was this weird, what was it like porn palace in- Porno in, palace uh, in Mykonos. Like a, like a DVD store? Like what does that mean? I just, I don't I know. just want to speak to these producers making these decisions. <laughs> if it's Fred, if it's the Queens, I just well, want to talk. If you want to be confused, get ready because they come back for a commercial <laughs> spot from Vivaldi for Biggie Wiggy Brush. For what the fourth week in a row, Vivaldi is out with her tickle bitties because she is a <laughs> slut. Um, where is the versatility that judges are looking for? She seems real inventive and creative until she has to play a woman, and then the boobs are out and the voice gets cranked up, uh, exactly. which I think is a very spoken as uh, you know, someone of a baby queen myself is a very standard move when younger inexperienced queens are trying to test the waters with their comedy chops yep it's true i don't know what this brush was but i'm fairly certain it was probably right. a prop made by a five-year-old from one of the like stagehands who had it at home also the concept was flawed because it just sort of seemed like it was just like a hairbrush and they it were like, it does all these things, brush. like brush your hair. And then they're like, that was it. It was very confusing. But I wish, I wish we can get rid of bananas because I am still traumatized from uh, Drag Race España and Carmen's mouth filled with Jesus bananas. Christ. That should have been when they show like the winner's circle from this year. That should be her picture <laughs> in the hall. That of fame. really should be. Oh, oh those. Again, another challenge where I'm like trying to keep up, know what the reference is, and just get confused because I'm like, I don't. Why are there bananas? Why right, that picture of Carmen is giving me Project Runway Rue. <laughs> Oof! Oh, bad reference. Okay, so Tabita <laughs> is going to be playing the before image of what life was like without the biggie wiggy brush. Her acting is very flat, and she is not great at reading these lines. But she's very good at overacting. She can do that. That's that's easy for her. 100%. And then with the magic of editing go and going completely over my head, the before and the after are on the other side of each other. But maybe in Holland, that's how it is. I don't know. And then they meet <laughs> each other and do like the E.T. fingers. I don't know. I was lost. I didn't get it. I just, I think that all of them were doing such, I'm not going to say strong choices. I'm just going to say they were, they all made very um, specific choices in their characters. And I don't think any of them mixed. Vanessa seemed to be like crossed. Um, yeah. And then like one of these people in this ad was like a bimbo 
who appeared to be between the ages of 78 and 15. And then the other one was just like, just some woman with bad makeup. Yeah. Well, I can confirm that that hair was not vivaldified. It was definitely to be at the time. Um, Terrible. Oh, it was terrible. But next up is Vanessa, the medium. Uh, Catherine gives Vanessa a tip by saying she loves Belgium and people who speak Flemish, but Dutch ears have to get used to it. So don't speak, speak too quickly to not lose the joke. So basically, can someone tell me the difference between a Dutch and Flemish accent, please? Because my ears think it's the same exact thing. I, when I heard that, my first instinct was, is there like a place just called Flem? Because so, if so, that, I think that, that's where Tabita's wigs are from. Right. So again, I don't know the etymology of it. No one has been able to explain it to me properly. But if you are from Belgium, you are Belgian but you speak Flemish. Huh, okay. Exactly. I don't understand <laughs> why. No one can tell me why. Um, just like if you're from the Netherlands, you speak Dutch. Question mark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless you don't. Yeah. So the co-hosts welcome us back. Um, for those who you know haven't changed the channel, they introduced the medium with her <laughs> large ball. She's going to tell us how depressing our futures is going to be. Vanessa is over the top for Vanessa, which is not over the top. But she's going to be taking calls and tell the callers their spiritual inquiries about love, lust, licking, lubrication, lesbians, lollies, latex, lunges, Lorette Shriver... Quinty trustful and that's where she lost me. It's like we were going with the L's, we were going with the alliteration, and now I don't know where we are. Yeah, I feel like Vanessa's whole theme, we'll get to her runway, was like Grim Reaper this episode because when she wasn't speaking, she had her head down and her arms were sort of she looked like possessed yeah. or something, but then yeah. never it was never explained. So she was just sort of like demonic and then she just started like a haiku. It was it was <laughs> this entire episode, Vanessa was an enigma to me. Yeah, so as you mentioned, suddenly Vanessa goes into this deep voice and says, is my sugar daddy going to dump me as soon as I'm 25? To which I say, twinks under that age, call me now. I will not dump you when you reach 25. <laughs> right. But then she goes on to say, the much, a much-asked question, is grandma watching from above when I masturbate? And that thought has never entered my mind, and I wanted to leave my mind permanently. It sort of seemed like Fred was requesting that they put sort of specific like worries he's had into this script. And it was, it was right. like, what if your hair is unbrushed or your grandma like watches you jerk off? It was so odd and very, it like was, it felt like it was from personal experience. Right. I was like, that is literally something I never ever thought of and I don't ever want to think of, but you just put it into the ether, like, ew. Like it would cut to the teleprompter saying, do you ever slip on a banana and then you're in like Turks and Caicos? No, like that's not that's not something I've thought about. Exactly. So the phone is going to ring, and Fred's question is: There is a poltergeist in his house. He hears strange noises as if a ghost was haunting the house. The question to her is: How does he get it into bed? We love ghost sex, don't we? I mean, apparently Fred is very interested in the idea. Yeah. Well, 
Hold on to your butts because Vanessa is about to put you in a trance. She feels a presence. She says, Molly, you and Danger Girl. That is a reference to Ghost for all you younger listeners. <laughs> but then she tells Fred to come to her with a banana, stands up, and then her turban falls off. And that is the end of Vanessa because she has broken character. She is out of it, checked out, challenge over. I, I have never seen someone just like mid-challenge be like, nope, I feel like I'm done. Goodbye. And then like, that's now, it. We will learn that this is yeah. a very uh, uh, difficult thing for her. I understand. There, there are certain triggers for me that would make me yeah. like stop in my tracks. You, but... Like it's not the kind of thing you can improvise through, which, you know, again, we learn later and I, we'll mm -hmm. talk about it. We'll talk about it. Yeah. So Keta thanks her for her spiritual answers, but Vanessa gets another call from the spirit world that they need to wrap up. Um, Again, I I am fully convinced that there was more that they needed to film, but Vanessa called the show. Um, yeah, she's like, and I think they were like anything I, for you, Vanessa. Yeah, it was really awkward. But Poonie wraps up by pulling a mug from her pony, and if this is what yeah. Dutch TV is like, well, I will pass. I do not want to watch this. Look, if there's one thing that Drag Race Holland and My Little Pony specifically like, it is a vagina joke. It's true. Fred tells the queens that they had him laughing and Catherine says they may not have been flawless having just been given the script an hour before, but it's not that easy. But she was truly impressed. Now, normally we cut away to like the next day, but not on today. Oh, no, no, no. We are going to get some ominous music, a weird camera angle, and shit is about to go down. We are going to recant this entire process because there's a lot that happened and we can't you can't really leave anything out because there was so much that happened that added up to this monstrosity of a moment and the subtext of this entire fight it sounds like it was filmed like recorded on a potato like it was exactly. muffled yes. on top of muffled so we will begin with we hear vanessa saying she didn't think it went well to a woman we don't know who this woman is we then see Vivaldi in confessional saying she hears Vanessa telling people that it didn't go well as she, as, uh, she does this a lot because of her insecurities. She then goes to cast members doing the same thing. Vivaldi just wants her to have faith in herself. But back on set, Vivaldi goes to her and asks if she's going to go tell everyone about it not going well. And this will start the feud because Vanessa asks if that bothers Vivaldi who says... Yes, to which Vanessa believes was an arrogant answer. All Vivaldi had to say was no, and we're done. We're fine. Nothing. Right. Also, my whole thing is like, if you know that one bitch has like, has definitive proof that you've broken the rules of your contract, why would you try to start a fight with her when she is already, she has like the shortest of fuses. She's already gotten fights with you and she knows that you've broken the rules why would you do anything other than pay her your biggest respects it, it made exactly. no sense strategically so we watch as vanessa and vivaldi bicker as vivaldi tells vanessa not to be bitter vanessa's blood pressure goes up she sees white and vanessa goes on a tirade saying that vivaldi is bothered and that she tells somebody he was ashamed the turban fell off vanessa is triggered because her biggest frustration is her hairline, which is why she hides it with headbands. 
Vivaldi did not know this as that went over her head. Vanessa felt vulnerable and then felt a knife in her back. Tabita is trying to mediate the situation. Vanessa is talking about Vivaldi as if she's not steps away. And Vivaldi is mocking Vanessa, mouthing blah, blah, blah. Vanessa feels like Vivaldi gets off if something goes wrong for someone. Vivaldi tells Vanessa not to be so dramatic. And thus, we get more drama. Vanessa calls Vivaldi arrogant, and it's a circle jerk of name-calling. Yeah. Vanessa is now going to head back into the workroom where out of drag to beat and Vivaldi and tension sit. You can tell this is where they should be on ice as the mics are off and the audio has an echo to it. Tabitha tries to get Vanessa and Vivaldi to talk it out, but of course, it is the 22-year-old who has to chime in with Vanessa is fine talking about other people, but not okay when others talk about her. And that's where the youth comes in. Vanessa calmly says that she doesn't have a problem with anyone but Vivaldi because she emanates so much arrogance. And she gets to the point and everyone's, everyone believes this about Vivaldi anyway. And then the calmer Vivaldi is, the more heated Vanessa gets as she tells her to grow up and learn to say sorry. And then Vanessa pulls out the blackmail she's been hiding in her back pocket and says she could be saying much more. She knows what's going on. Is she going to say it? Is she not going to say it? All Vivaldi does is say the word, okay. And Vanessa pops off. She knows about the phone that Vivaldi has. A phone? Where the hell did we get to this point? Were you shocked at where we are in this part of the feud? I think part of what my interest in this whole fight was is the fact that it seemed like in, even including the American show, including these other franchises, it genuinely seemed like the most organic drama we've had in so long, purely because of the fact that they was happening so quickly the producers couldn't recoup enough to set up audio or like some decent lighting it just yeah. sort of was happening and that felt really different for drag race but um yeah what i will say is that the whole time they were fighting i was like oh and then i'll cut to the runway they'll have a fight and then talk whatever and the fact that it went to this sort of um breaking the fourth wall like talk of contracts and blackmail and all that like it came out of left field because I, yeah. I thought I understood what the fight was about. And I was like, oh, Vivaldi's being super disrespectful and uh, like all of the stuff. And it was pretty cut and dry until Vanessa was like, I have information. And it like the entire nature of the episode sort of, like I sat up in my chair a little bit. It was wild. Yeah. So in confessional, Vanessa reminds the audience that the contract states they are not to have telephones, but Vivaldi has one. Vivaldi in confessional says that, Vanessa is a snake. She says you can trust her, but something tiny happens and it's gone. Vanessa threatens Vivaldi to be honest and says what's going on and says that she's been fake from A to Z. She says that Vivaldi always causes pain at the worst time to which she retorts that she's just projecting. Vanessa with her insecurity decides to show the hairline to Vivaldi who says she didn't know. And then now Vanessa gets up goes to Vivaldi and says it is she is not her mother. She cannot say whatever she wants to her and to start respecting her. And then says she needs to respect everyone and to not have a phone in her room saying she's a fake cheater. 
I want to know how Vanessa knows about the phone. Right. And also the entire subtext of this whole fight, I felt like there was a a crucial piece of information missing. Uh, And my biggest question was just, what was she doing with the phone? Because I think my first thought went to, she's talking to like designers, because I know that in Holland last season, they were like, we actually don't bring our whole package. We have people go to our house and bring it weekly because that's how you get all these huge costumes there. And so my first thought was, oh, is she texting designers that didn't finish stuff in time to like bring it over to her? And it was, that was the most educated guess I could have come up with, but it it felt like there was a big piece of information that was left out of production or just the conversation. We, I don't know if it's going to happen next week. We will find out, but that is apparently what was going on is she looked around the room, said, I need something better and was messaging designers and told them her location at the hotel. Also, the fact that she is the winner of Snatch Game had a phone to like look up jokes or look up what her, I think her character was named Nikki Plesson, like look up what was going on with her lately or remind well, I mean, herself if, of quirks. Well, right. Nikki Plesson was uh, the um, Marie Kay of last season. So she was yeah. around Nikki all of last year. But as I um, said on the podcast, when we got to the Snatch Game episode, all of uh, Vivaldi's jokes were Elise Schaap's version of um, Nikki Plesson that she does on her um, on her uh, uh, seemingly show. verbatim. Literally, the, the blah, 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 blah is not a Nikki Plesson thing. It is an Elise doing Nikki. She, she was like doing someone else's stand up. It was it was just interesting Correct. to me because was. the whole performance felt like again, it was references that you and I weren't really privy to, but mm-hmm. that whole performance felt very scripted, which I think is um, a hard thing to do well in Snatch Game. And I mean, obviously she won, but it makes sense now that she was able to constantly be thinking about things that she could emulate. But again, exactly. I'm, I'm interested to see what the nature of her like availability to the internet was. Exactly. So everyone is now going to go around the table. And at this point, uh, Vanessa is ranting that she is here to play fair and she will show them where the phone is. Tabita in confessional says that with a phone, you can look things up, find inspiration, prepare stuff, phone people. It's not allowed and you sign a contract. Now, again, there may or may not be more to the story. We do not know. All we know is what is addressed on this specific episode and we will find out. I I hope if it is design related, we get to know about it. But Vivaldi says, fuck you to Vanessa and storms out of the room because she knows she's got, she knows nothing good is going to be coming out of this get me out of this situation. Tabita and Puni come to Vanessa's aid as she cries, saying there would be consequences if she had done that at age 21. Vivaldi is feeling like shit, so Keta is with Vivaldi backstage saying what she said really hurt. She already has depression and this is just hard to hear, and everyone thinking her she's arrogant is not something she can handle, but Tabita hopes that they can solve it on tomorrow's runway. Thank you for the segue to me because there was no way out of this one. And I also think that it was interesting that uh, Vivaldi had to take a day to figure out how she was going to spin this. And it took her a full 24 hours to be like, I'm depressed. That's why I have a phone. Baby, right. I'm depressed. And like, like I, everyone's depressed. You're drag queens. Like, yeah. none of you are like doing great at all times. And like, you're in a competitive, highly claustrophobic environment. Um, 
And also she went through a psych evaluation. If it really was this big of an issue, like, again, I want to be sympathetic to what's going on with her because it could be very serious. But if you were, you, if you went through multiple of like rounds of psyche eval and they determined that you would be okay with not having a phone for like six weeks, I, I just feel like it's weird. It felt like she just pulled it out of her ass a day later when the conversation was already solidified. And, and that's, that's the thing I had been, I mentioned earlier on the podcast and another episode was maybe she didn't even do psych evaluation because she was part of the, sh- the show last year. She did Fred's hair. She's been around it. Right. This episode and felt like, very like when the Countess got to stay on the merit of like, she did Fred's makeup the previous season of like, you exactly. may have broken literally a huge rule, but you are a part of the show when we kind of promised you. Exactly. And that's been my issue with this season. Once they, once um, Ivy was eliminated and the Countess stayed, I was like, we're playing favoritisms here. And this episode- Yeah, it felt like season one again. Didn't help. Exactly. So it is finally the next day and they all enter as Fred's Angels with, you guessed it, banana guns. What is with the fucking bananas? Is that all they have? Where do they get them? I'm just confused why Holland seems to be like this tropical environment where just plenty of bananas are like always available. It's just like, it seems like the only prop that they ever have. Well, around the table, there is a bit of tension and the jabs keep on coming in as Vanessa says, hashtag the falsity. Okay, cute. That was... I thought I thought Got that was a little contrived. Oh, <laughs> right. Absolutely. Just like just like Vivaldi thought of that excuse all night long, Vanessa was like, what do I call her? Exactly. So Tabita says, let all the energy come out on the runway. It's a good idea. They have two looks to get ready for, and that's all we're gonna get in this segment because we just wasted 15 minutes of time <laughs> earlier. Nice. All right, we're going to move to the runway. Fred is going to be wearing a black and white with a giant garbage bag dress. Um, don't know what that was, but the white wig with the black stone streaks, not too bad. I was here for it. I actually think you misspoke. I thought Envy Peru walked down the runway. It's it's wild <laughs> to me because Envy, I believe, is one of the most, I think she probably is, in my recent memory, one of the most polished queens ever to compete on oh, Drag Race. I, I feel like, it would have been great if she hosted the first season, but I don't think her makeup works on other faces because it just looks like her. What I've realized is when she does uh, natural tones, it's her face. But when she puts color on Fred, then we're in a different league and it's gorgeous. This was like a silver eye and I was like, oh, it's Envy. And she, she, I I feel like really popularized the whole rhinestoned, overly sculpted wig wig trend we've been seeing like everywhere Mm -hmm. lately and I think that seeing it on Fred with that sort of very envy makeup that combination is sort of seeming like she's not her own drag queen and it doesn't give that sort of signature Rue thing where like Mm -hmm. even though Matthew and Raven have very different styles Rue still looks like Rue whereas I feel like right I mean I, I thank god Fred didn't look how he did last season the Countess should have been eliminated on the merit of that alone. Um, but I also the irony of her going home on the makeover was not lost on me. No, but it was well, just interesting thing. to me. She can paint her face on other people. She tried not to paint her face on Fred, and that's what happened. And it was just bad makeup. She it was looked terrible. Like she was she looked like high budget Tabita. It was yeah. it was rough. No, it's true. 
So on the panel, we have the return of Carla Bussard, um, actress, singer, and style icon Meryl. And of course, Marika Samalo is back once again. Who I love, by the for, way. Yeah, she's great. She's very, but she's great. She's stern, but also I'm like, do you know as much as you say you are, or is it just because you run a festival that we all respect you? Right. Like Milkshake Festival is something I think a lot of people know of internationally, which I think is yeah. what gives her this like she she seems extremely qualified to be on a drag race panel yes but she just sort of seems like ever so slightly like you said overcompensating on her authority yeah well our category is opposites attract and in honor we are going to be playing magnetic or repellent so we'll go through all the looks and decide how they're going to fall and we will start with Tabita from A Wedding to a Funeral. The wedding look by Sjord Flute, hair by Katie Beam, shoes stone by Skylar Versailles, friend of the podcast, lashes and nails by Gaia. And then the funeral look is by Jeanne Moche, hair by Wig Mason, shoes styled by Silhouette Shonenin, and lashes and nails by Gaia. Um, I think it's a very sexy and modern wedding dress that actually is quite youthful on her. The pale pink wig is not my favorite, but I know she is fond of the colors. I really think to nail the opposites of track, though, she should have gone for a blonde wig. The yeah, funeral dress with the wig. sunglasses. Yeah, exactly. The funeral dress with the sunglasses and fascinator was very cunt looking. It was a good take on the category, but it was simple. It was boring. But this is true the, to who the sleeve worried is. me too. Yeah, the sleeve um, was very like Elvira. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, she is a drag artist, but this late in the season, to get the crown, we need more. I needed more out of Tabita here, but this is all she can do. As we alluded to earlier about Poopy Poison, this is what you're going to get when you're in her final five. You're not going to get high style drag. Yeah, it just sort of felt like I, I liked the theme, like the wedding and the funeral. It reminded me of um, a lot of like very famous camp movies that I'm sure Tabita has watched mm -hmm. that are themed around this kind of uh you know opposites attract theme um I liked that like styling of that pink wig I thought that sort of tussled youthful look was pretty mm -hmm. I think it 100% should have been blonde she loves yeah. a pink wig and I just do not think it looks good on her um no because it's not I, good on her skin tone it's terrible right and I think that she something always about I, I'm very not a traditionalist when it comes to like setting rules for drag I think that no one should be obliged to cinch or pad or whatever like do what you want to do um if you've ever seen me from the uh waist up in drag that is absolutely something that I take pride in doing and mm -hmm. so I just find that when you have sort of a short useful silhouette like this being somewhat straight up and down doesn't really serve the theme of the look that you're trying to go for yeah Carlos says that she's fantastic. She looked totally fresh as a bride, but he saw an uncertain sort of half comedy, half not. It wasn't enough for him to think there she is. Fred really enjoyed her in Coffee Maid. Looking at her in the game she is playing, is it enough? Question mark. For the wedding look, I will, even though it is a pink wig, wasn't the right choice. I do think it was a better look for her. One of the better things she's worn. I will give it magnetic. Yeah, I... I think for me, I would, there is less I would tweak with the funeral look than I would with the wedding look. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm not gonna, mm, I'll give it to her. 
I'll give it magnetic in the lowest degree. So for the wedding look, uh, we're both magnetic. Audience was 29, 29% magnetic, 71% repellent. For funeral, I am definitely going repellent. I just couldn't. It was too basic, too that boring. That dress was ugly as fuck, to be honest. Yeah. It was like a weird businesswoman going to the club, Morticia Adams. Yeah. Yeah. Repellent for me. No, 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 no. 100%. The audience, 8% magnetic, 92% repellent. <laughs> Next up, we got Vanessa Van Cartier, Death and Life. Death look by Dung and Dirk, hair by DJ Andro G. The life look by Dung and Dirk, hair by Mama Queen. Jewels by Glam Studio Jewels. I think this was a really cool concept turned on its head. I adore the skeleton look because it's unexpected for Vanessa. I'm totally getting born this way vibes. I think creating the skeleton look with the black roses and then to have the red roses for life was just a really joyous fun opportunity it was roses yeah i didn't even realize that there were black roses i was like confused what that textile was that makes so much sense um i think she radiates in the red and the cut of the dress with a single leg adorned in roses so artistic the nude tone is perfect she knows her body and that is something not a lot of queens can do but she nailed it um it's not a groundbreaking look for vanessa but she really knows how to wear a garment and sell a concept so overall, I think she did a great job here. Is it the best of the season? No. Yeah, I think unfortunately having that uh, monster runway right at the beginning really set the bar a bit too high for some of these queens. Yeah. And particularly her alien look really gave me this expectation of her alien look. And then also her uh, Studio 54, like cocaine spoon thing. It was just like this high level of drag excellence. And this is like perfectly fine. But I think mm-hmm. that um, this for me was one of her more muddy looks where I don't think it was particularly bad. I thought both looks felt uh, cluttered to me, including the makeup. Like, yeah. I don't know that a glitter lip, a sunset eyeshadow, red rhinestones, a necklace, a flower, a giant wig, and then half a dress, half a ca- Like, it was just so many ideas. I was like, listen, if the theme is life, you are certainly living your life with this, <laughs> with this garment. It sure is. It was just a lot of things. I agree. Carlo thought the first look was missing eyelashes, to which Vanessa said skeletons don't have eyelashes. He said look, the second she's look... Continental. She can talk back in just the right way. Yeah. He said the second look, she is in the bloom of her life. He asks her why she was pushing something away in her act, and she reveals that three years ago she almost committed suicide, and now she is in the bloom of her life. She doesn't hate looking at herself anymore. Brad thanks her for sharing her story, and then says that the acting is not her thing. Um, I'm going to go magnetic for both these looks. I thought she did excellent. Um, I, I think that the second look, the message sold me enough to be magnetic, um, mm-hmm. albeit the over accessorizing. I was not fond of that first look. I just thought that skeleton makeup can be done in such a drag way. And I, yeah. I, I felt that because she's a beautiful queen. And especially when you are like very familiar with the pageant circuit, I think you get extremely good at doing your paint and switching up the colors. And I think that this seemed a little, as because I know she's so experienced, I found this makeup to look a little amateur for Vanessa. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I didn't respond as well to this one as I did with the red. Sure. The audience for death, magnetic 72%, repellent 28% for life, 
88% magnetic, 12% repellent. Moving on to Vivaldi. Cupid and Cupid don't. Okay. What was this concept? I Cupid don't, don't. What is that girl? I you had a phone know. and designers, <laughs> and then you decided to like that not even one... have an idea. Yeah, you cheated so... and you didn't do something interesting. Exactly. Well, no designers are listed here. Uh, curious why. She hasn't posted these looks yet. <laughs> I'm not sure the full concept with opposites, but if you want to talk about amazing looks individually, Vivaldi knows how to fucking do it. Um, the she black gives it to Cupid, you every time. Yeah. The black Cupid don't look was mesmerizing. The black leather fringe brought such movement, paired very well with the leather corset. Both beats are sickening, but there was something about the darker look that had such a story with those hints of red that tie into the other elements of the red in the look. The Cupid look being pink and red, as the colors of love was a cool idea as to not be a baby in a diaper and you know copy from vanessa's runway last week right um i love the pink fur and the giant red platform boots the hair is one of the coolest she's had all season long it's structured so well and i think the arrows coming in and out was really really playful yeah here's what i'll say if there's one thing vivaldi can do with style a fucking wig like she i don't think i've ever seen a wig stylist this detail focused and like just so polished in a while on Drag Race um I liked this first look a lot I thought the palette I really like pink that specific shade of pink and red together and I thought the Mm -hmm. boots worked for this in a better way than they did for the second I thought it was distracting to have those kind of moon boots in that second look when it felt like one thing too much um, I liked, like you said, I liked that vibe of that second look more. It sort of felt like her first look just burnt a little bit. It was cool. Um, and I, I, there's this pet peeve I have when people wear a garment with a corset built into it and their body is never right. It's just always yeah. bulky and like ill-fitting. And she was so pulled in. And I was just really impressed with that because on Drag Race, when people will wear sort of those bodice things, the like uh, Abraham Levy, like, corset things like yeah. it's it it often fits slightly off and I thought that this felt so like bespoke on her so I like yeah. I, I definitely like both of the looks Meryl didn't write anything because she is a mega fan Marike says it's beautiful no matter what she does think of her future and invest in her future because she doesn't think they need any mean girls Fred says the coffee maid wasn't her strongest performance Again, great looks. I think they're both magnetic. Um, I wish she wasn't a cheater, but you can't deny what she posts on the runway is beautiful. Yeah, I'd, I'd say both are magnetic. I think that the concept is so repellent. I think it was for someone who claims <laughs> I'm being this like, like to quote Utica, like this kooky, crazy character. Like I, I feel like this was so uninspired. I this yeah. This in particular felt like, she had these outfits and had a concept. She was like, what's very different than this Cupid look that I definitely didn't have. And that's, you know, both were great polished looks. I just felt the concept was was weird. Audience, 92% magnetic, 8% repellent on Cupid. Cupid don't, 83% magnetic, 17% repellent. So big fans, they loved it. Next up, Ketamanaj doing Ying and Yang. Looks by Zell Creation, wigs by Marcos Wigs. On paper, yin and yang are very easy, simple concept to do. It's basically black and white. How do you amplify it? With a fucking sick reveal twice. Uh, um, uh. Wow. The 
The black look is very spooky and dark. The patent leather is very dominatrix-like, especially with the glove. And I really love that train that she put on it. The white look is very flapper with the hair and all um, and all, but you can't tell me like that wasn't that didn't look like a zipper, um, which I don't think right. was a period. But she gonna do she gonna do what she gonna do. But the black into white reveal was not bad. The train you kind of saw coming because it was falling behind, but that top was mediocre. The white into black reveal was perfection. She ripped that dress down and it was the best look of the four. She looks like an evil queen with the white hair. It was just perfection in my eyes. Yeah, I, uh, at this point, like, I have this feeling of, it's kind of embarrassing if Kita doesn't win the whole season. Um, but at the same time, I want, I kind of want them to save her for All-Stars because she's been bringing, like, she's one of those queens where I feel like she could have justifiably been the winner of every challenge thus far. Mm -hmm. And people would have been like, I mean, yeah. And I don't know, this first one, I liked, again, I'm a huge, uh, huge fan of Mistress of the Dark. And I thought that like Kida gives that very sort of severe, spooky fashion look. And I also thought that her face specifically with this paint, clearly with my name, I'm a huge Annie Lennox fan. And I thought mm -hmm. that she was really giving me some, some Annie Lennox with those cheekbones. But yeah, that first look, I thought it was like, there could have been a uh, maybe a more flattering way to reveal some elements of white because by the end she had like, just sort of a white tank top and shorts that this big yeah. black hair. And I was like, oh, it's Freddie Mercury on the stage. <laughs> um, but I, I like the look, but that second look, Mariah Balenciaga on, when she was on All Stars during that reveal runway said something that I, I thought was really good where she was like, butthurt that she got kicked off justifiably. And she was saying something you don't see a, a lot when queens reveal things is doing um, the thing that is revealed is like full length and form fitting. And I think it's right. always way more pleasing when someone does the reveal and it's not a bodysuit or lingerie. And it's like even more of a, like you saw less skin with that second look. And I just, I always think that that's harder to execute and more impressive as a, an aspect of performance. So I, both of these looks were just top tier. And that second wig was Gorge. Oh, so, so perfect. Marie Kay says she surprised her. It was beautiful, well executed, but don't do her lip like that because it makes her mouth very serious. Carlos says the reveals were stunning. He says things could have gone wrong, but she made it something of it. Fred said he screamed laughing and he thought she stood out above the rest. I will obviously, again, love them both. I'll give Mag Magnetic for both looks. Agreed. 100%. The audience for the white into black, magnetic 81%, 19% repellent. For the black into white, magnetic 64%, uh, 36% repellent. So obviously the white was the stronger of the two. And finally, we have My Little Pony, uh, love and hate, because clearly no one knew what to do for this challenge. Um, hate, the look by Crocant Agency. Uh, love, look by Crocant Agency, hair by Wigsby Paris. Again, very, very basic concept, but ultimately two very stylish looks. If I wasn't told what the looks were supposed to be, I would not have known. It was love and hate. Um, I liked the red dress. It was playful, but it was all about the hair. I love the blonde with the red streaks. The so black sick. look, yeah, the black look, though, was kind of Beyonce inspired, but honestly, it's a fucking leotard on Drag Race. Sure. It's got like silver accents with to help elevate it because they're knives, but again, at this point in the competition, more is necessary. And 
I think the most creative part of both these looks were the purses. The white envelope with the heart for the love was cool, but the silver stoned blood knife purse for hate was so awesome. And I, I would like one myself. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of, of inanimate object bags and ear, clearly uh, <laughs> just accessories. Um, but I think that, I don't know, I, I feel like I may be kind of in the minority on this. I really like My Little Pony, and I think she's sort of having this weird journey on the show. And I think that I, maybe it was just because I was like so interested in her entrance look. I thought it was like so sickening, but yeah. um, this first look, like like you said, it's super simple and I think less high production than some of the other ones on this runway. Um, but like something about that like hat and just like those legs and it, she sold me this like very specific story that I, again, it, it had nothing to do with the concept. It was very clear she had these looks. I thought she looked dope in that first one. I wear the shit out of it. I constantly try to wear stuff that's similar to that. And with the second one, I was like, oh, cute she's like a, a red lady with, <laughs> with a wig that I like like it was just sort of um odd to me that she was like okay love and hate hate I will dress as white Beyonce and for love I will wear this tool and a wig that I love because it's love like it was just sort of a little like okay um but yeah. I ultimately stand alone I like both of these looks again this theme I think it seems easy to like come up with something for I think a lot of these queens had trouble with picking an idea. They really, they really did. You could have done so much. Yeah. Meryl thought the hat was wicked, but the rest of the outfit was a little bit boring compared to the love look, though her butt looked great. Marike said she found it refreshing with all her different energies. Again, I do enjoy Puni. These are very, very safe, so they will be safe magnetic. Yeah, I think both of them are magnetic for me. I think just the, I found that first look to be very chic, albeit very simple. And so I really liked it. Um, I think both of them are magnetic. I think the concept was a little weak. Yeah. Audience, love magnetic 62% repellent, 38% hate, 40% magnetic, 60% repellent. Fred is gonna thank the Queens for both their looks on the runway, but before they get into the critiques, he wants to discuss something. Dun, dun, dun. He goes, Vivaldi talk. Not even holding back, make her talk. She says that she had an illegal phone in her possession. She is not going to hide behind excuses. She knows it's not allowed. She knows it's dishonest to Fred and the Queens. She apologizes and says she's sorry. Fred comes back and says that the rule is no phones in the hotel. He says he understands that it's difficult to not be able to communicate, but it's not allowed. He is bloody angry because she's a fierce queen, so play by the fucking rules. Vivaldi says that she has learned from it, and Fred asks if it is a sincere apology, to which she says yes. She doesn't feel sorry often, so when she does, she means it. I was like... Girl, you you don't get it, do you? You're you're not just understanding. Sort of, I feel like the narrative of this season is something that I'm really excited by, where um, the older queens are sort of being portrayed in this like really respectful, kind of authoritative way, and being shown like no maturity and experience is actually something that you really should have respect for when it comes to drag, because yeah. I think a lot of times these like. Frankly, a lot of queens 
come on with really gorgeous looks and think that they can be assholes to people who like pave the way for them to be there. And obviously age doesn't mean that someone is um, sort of immune from criticism, but I just, I'm refreshed by this whole idea of the older queens all being kind of clear front runners and the young queen being not like embarrassed on on the show, but sort of being like showing her ass a little bit and being like, look, experience can actually do a lot for you regardless of how you look, which I think is cool for the younger viewers of the show to see, but also to have Fred yell at her and then be like, are you sorry? Are you really sorry? Okay, great, Never mind. On with the show. Right, so Fred says the Queens nor the jury were happy and normally he wouldn't want to see her, but he doesn't have time for that. He finds it difficult knowing what to do. So he's going to ask the other four Queens their opinions. Tabitha starts it off and says that if you're grown up enough to do something, you're grown up to suffer the consequences. She would say disqualification. Vanessa cannot tolerate injustice. She grew up with discipline and respect, and if there isn't any, there's the door. Keta says she thinks she's a fucking fierce performer, but she doesn't get how she can just ignore the rules. She asks her what made her bring it. Vivaldi says she's ill, and damn if Vanessa's neck could turn any faster. (laughs) Oh my god. Vanessa snaps with when you called your mother, was that because of your illness? Vivaldi says she didn't, She didn't. but Vanessa says she saw her call her mom. Then, once again, these two go back and forth about who is lying. So, technically, Keta never gave an opinion, should she stay or should she go? Pony says this is hard because she thinks highly of Vivaldi, but it goes against her principles. She also would have liked to look things up before a particular challenge, but she didn't get a chance to. Again, didn't say she wants her to go. I will also Fred, say, um, yeah, go ahead. since then, I, this was a very like random thing because um, like it's hard to keep up with the 776 like queens from Drag Race, but I was like just clicking through Instagram stories and I saw that Kita was like answering questions. And one of them was like, what was like your opinion of the whole Vivaldi situation? And she was saying like, um, I wish I had made more of a stance because it kind of just looked like me and Puni were co-signing on cheating. And that was mm-hmm. not how I felt. Um, yeah. And so I was like, I appreciated that clarification because I felt like they must've been more angry than they seemed. But Absolutely. again, I think both of them want to win. Exactly. Well, Fred decides to leave it for later. They all work, walk back to the workroom for Untucked Jr. And literally the first uh, subtitle says, Vanessa, Vanessa sighs happily. Oh, <laughs> funny. Do we think she got off on what happened to Vivaldi? You bet your ass she did. So yeah. how do they feel? Tabitha doesn't know. As a comedy queen, she does have to do it. Does she have to do it every time? Because she was not thrilled with her critiques. Vivaldi thinks it's shit that it's happened, but she's not going to sit in the corner and cry. Tabitha says she expected Vivaldi to apologize sooner, but she's happy that she did. Keta says she wanted her to apologize and she hopes to, she stays part of the group. And then Vivaldi says it does hurt that people feel this way about her because she doesn't mean to be the way she is. And then in a weird turn of events, Vanessa says all five of them are fierce queens. And even if they have big arguments, she's really proud. They toast to the final five. How did we get here to what? How much time do we lose here? It felt as if like halfway through that conversation, a producer was like, Vanessa, come here. 
say this. We want you to win. Um, right. Like, so I don't know. It just sort of seemed like at this weird moment, Vanessa was like, no, like, I want to be a competitor. I don't want to get dragged down by your bullshit. We're all, like, kumbaya, like, whatever, like, Vivaldi's probably going home, or so she thought. Um, and she was like, I want to make peace with it so I can, like, come off as, like, I think in that moment, she started producing herself, or maybe a producer yeah. produced her, but, you know. It's possible. Well, Fred has really thought about it and has come to the conclusion. Keta Minaj is the winner of the week. She wins a thousand euro voucher from Mr. B, your fetish specialist. Oh, and, and, a, and a badge, of course. We got it. We can't forget about those the badges. Most, the, they're real excited about those badges. Love them. My Little Pony and Vanessa Van Cartier are safe, which leaves Tabita and Vivaldi as the bottom two. Given the circumstances, given the runways, given the performance, do you agree with these placements? Um, yes. I think a lot of times this season, it's sort of been like, the challenge was a mess. Let's see what you wear. And I think that yeah. was the case this time. Because I was like, I don't know, like maybe Vanessa could win. Maybe she'll be in the bottom with Vivaldi. Like, I don't know. I It sort of felt like a lot of times the challenge is sort of moot. And so they're like, Kita, you always look the best. You're the winner of this challenge, which yeah. I, I can't be mad at because she always looks the best. Yeah, I think um, it easily could have been a double win um, for both Keta and Puni, but Puni's runway was just yeah. not going to happen. Didn't work. I agree because I think that a similar thing is happening this season that happened with season one, where it's sort of like you either have no wins or one win, and then the front runner has like seven. And it's just sort of this weird situation where they're kind of biding time seemingly until the front runner wins. And so I'm, I'm curious to see if they're going to repeat that narrative this season, because the most that can happen is going to the finale, either Puni or Vanessa will have two wins or, or Vivaldi, but I don't really conceive that happening. Like it, the most that's going to happen is that by the finale, if she makes it, Kita's still going to be, you know, the front runner. Right. So I'm curious to see how it shakes out. Yeah, well, Fred tells Vivaldi that her looks are fantastic, but he can't let what happened go away. She will have to fight to stay. Should she have been disqualified? Yes. Um, I think rules that a lot of rules. times... Right. I mean, I think that if we're looking at, not to compare, you know, like oranges to blackface, but I think that if we want to talk about disqualifications, I think if one should have happened this year, it should have 100% been Scarlett Adams. Um, but I do think the fact that Drag Race has such, it's known for having these like incredibly strict contracts. Mm -hmm. The fact that people can, um, in this scenario, just completely breach a tenant that everyone else respected um, and then basically be like, well, we're just gonna go on with the format of the show. It felt a little odd to me, but yeah, you know. I mean, it's not just for Drag Race. Every reality show you go on, right? You do not have phones. You don't. It also have fucks access with the narrative. The whole thing with reality TV is they put you in this pressure cooker where the only people you can like get stuff out with is in front of a camera to a producer or to one of the people you're mm -hmm. in a competition with, and so. The, that seems like one of the most basic rules of being a participant in this. And so the fact that they were sort of like, but you're very talented and we like and your again, wigs. She was on set last season. She should know better. Right. It sort of felt like odd to me that they were, I mean, this whole season, I've sort of felt like they've been infatuated with Vivaldi in a way that I mm. haven't understood. Uh, specifically Same. that sewing challenge where she was just thin and they were like, oh, you look so gorgeous. Um, 
but justice I, for Reggie B. Justice for Reggie B. And justice for My Little Pony in that challenge. She should yeah. have been the top. But yeah. anyways, I I thought that uh, it was a little bit weird where they were like, anyways, if she says she's sorry, let's like get on with the lip sync. Well, the song is Liquor Met the Median, a.k.a. Hanging with the Ladies by Meryl. This is the first Dutch song we have all season, uh, which Both is seasons. very interesting. Oh uh, no, we we had a Dutch, well, t- we had a Dutch artist last season, or, or singing or, in English. Said, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Um, it's a fun, campy song, and it certainly was in Tabita's wheelhouse to play up, especially when she took off the dress to reveal a Leo that said bullshit. Because, well, that's how she was feeling. Can we forgive the undergarments that we're showing? No, but let's right. let, 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 let's let's discuss this. Did she put that on for the lip sync, or did she have it on under the um the black look? Well, when here's what I'll say. I um I was watching the show with my roommate, and we were like we like paused to look at all the outfits, and when they were calling the placements, we were like, why is she wearing a t-shirt underneath it? Because it was just sort of this cut. And so I hadn't noticed it before. Um, it seems as if she put it on for the lip sync. The fact that she just owned that was a little weird to me. Like, why does that? Right. It was very like one of those Forever 21 shirts where you're like, oh, this is cute. And you turn it around and it's like Taco Tuesday. And you're like, why does it have this? Um, but at, here's what a controversial opinion, because I've seen a lot of people online disagree. I think Tabita fully lost this lip sync. Um, I, I just thought that the fact that it was so unbelievably messy and the fact that you couldn't definitively win a lip sync against someone who was like this close to going home and had already broken the rules. Was it like, I think for the fact that it wasn't a resounding Shantae you stay to be to was, yeah. I think it was that disappointing that they like Vivaldi's performance was at least clean. Maybe it wasn't the most engaging lip sync I've ever seen, but um, the fact that like, Tabita has been performing in drag for decades. This was a song in her mother tongue. And she just sort of mm-hmm. like, she took off her shoes and started like doing the skip it. Like it was, she started like hopping. It was well, so I mean, messy. Is it me or did she look like she was performing like Tina Burner? Oh, truly. She was like break dancing, <laughs> but like, like at a bar mitzvah or something. It was, it was yeah. this weird thing of like dancing, like no one's watching, but not in a good way. Yeah. She was hopping around. Uh, so the leotard, for those who may not know sports that well, it's black and red. It was supposed to be like the Chicago Bulls. You know, that's where the bull came from, the bullshit. Um, again, why she owns that, I think it's hilarious. But <laughs> and why she I, owns I, that it, and brought it to drag race. Exactly. Well, it was definitely one of those situations where in regular seasons, they are not allowed to change outfits. We know this is a thing, but mm-hmm. I feel like to be to said to the producers, I'm changing. You're letting this little bitch perform. I'm changing my shirt. <laughs> right. Um, Vivaldi knew the words, even played a bitchy character for the song. Was it enough to stay? I don't know. But Tabita just bombed it. It was not good. The fa- right. The fact, I was just disappointed in Tabita because like, I haven't been her biggest fan. I was a little soured by like, within the first five minutes, she was just like, openly transphobic to like, a contestant yeah. that not only I liked, but just transphobic period was like, like yeah. what a way to introduce yourself to the Drag Race <laughs> canon. Um, yeah. But the fact that she couldn't even keep it together for like a two minute song to beat someone who was like 
a hair away from disqualification was crazy to me. And I think a fine lip sync from someone, it was just so disappointing from her that I think they were like, girl, like that's not good enough. Yep. Fred has decided that the 47-year-old Tabita would go and the 22-year-old Vivaldi would stay. Did you see that back row look not so happy about that decision? I had like three screenshots and I was not sure which yeah. version of it I wanted to put. I mean, look at the three of them behind me. The only thing I'll say in that picture, Vanessa's titties are sitting. She looks so they're, good. They're perfect. Um, Tabitha and her no shoes, old man toes and old man butt are going home. Oh, the way she just is obsessed with forcing the viewers the people of the netherlands to like watch her shake those shake those pancakes yeah i'm fascinated by also i again it could have been mistranslation with the subtitles this song was seemingly about carrot cake and like the ladies it was so weird so meryl is kind of like a parody artist so it it. makes so very weird al yankovic yeah I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what she does, but I know she's more, she is a comedian. So, kind of, yeah. kind of like, um, oh, I can't. I'm so happy to get to reference it. Like Mocha Trees from uh, Drag Race. It Spania. felt very Mocha it's, Trees. It's, yeah, it's very that. Um, very, very same vein. But I always end the podcast with some burning questions. What is Tabita's legacy? Um, I think that. That <laughs> I think her legacy is that um, a couple of things. I think that she's shown that there can be a really meaningful exchange between uh, older, more experienced queens on Drag Race and kind of younger ones who have more of a like modern outlook on drag and on fashion. Yeah. Um, I will also say I think her legacy on Drag Race is showing that uh, Holland apparently is not all about the runway game. Uh, because I think nope. that she definitely showed us that not everyone uh, in her home country is uh, quite like from the Envy Peru camp of fashion. True. Will Phonegate have any lasting effects for the remainder of the season? I, I hope so, because I think it would be really, the fact that these three in the picture behind you, Puni, Vanessa, and Kita, if that is not the top three, because I think from pretty early in the competition, they sort of emerged as breakouts of the of the bunch. I think yeah. if uh, Vivaldi kind of sneaks her way in there, I think it's gonna be unfair to the uh, the other three who've really shown uh, pretty incredible packages runway wise in the challenges. And like, I'd be, I'd be shocked even if it didn't have to do with Phonegate if Vivaldi doesn't go home next week. Yeah. We have another acting challenge next week. Why? Why? I, they're making up for all of the, the the zero acting challenges in Down Under, apparently. <laughs> they have well, I ask, Yeah, I ask it every single time. After six episodes, the winner of the season is... Okay. Kida is, like, my front runner, and her runways are great, and, like, I'm so here for her, and I think she's brought some incredible drag. Controversial take. I think Finesse is going to win the season. I do too. I, I think it was a foregone conclusion when she was cast. Um, I agree. Even no matter what would happen uh, with Kylie's unique love, uh-huh. Vanessa was going to win. Um, she she, she is... cast a reigning Miss Continental world, which I th- right. think is, you have to handle that well. Otherwise, like you don't want to 
you know, sever that relationship between the, the world of pageantry and drag race. Cause I think that right. there's a good connection there. And, and she, she's done well, but I, I think you're right. I think Keta is an incredible artist. I think Puni is an incredible artist. And this episode, I, I, I feel like I would feel like the season didn't make sense if Vivaldi were to win. And I think we're that, that, that promise is gone. Um, but again, look what happened down under. So stranger things have happened. No kidding. Um, which yeah. is another reason why I'm like, I don't think Keta can win because you can't have a Keta and a Keta both have the same kind of pun right. in the same year. My uh, my question for you is, so I think it's clear to both of us, at least within the narrative of the show, that we think that Vanessa is going to win. Who do you want to win, regardless of who you think is going to? I... I would actually like to see Keta win because I feel like I would like to see Keta perform and take over the world. I don't know if I feel the same way about Vanessa. I think she's gorgeous to look at. She takes an incredible photograph. Do I want to go out and see her? Probably not. I'm not saying she's not a talented drag artist, but in the world of drag race, this this is our chance to see someone perform and do things on a greater stage i think i would rather see keta do that i agree and i am also it's not lost on me that we have not had a winner of drag race that's been over 40 it may be ever but it, maybe bianca was 40 or like late 30s. no uh, she was late 30s i don't yeah i think yeah it's, it's, i, I think, don't think we've ever had an old one i i would i would love to see someone who's 40 years old win drag race um yeah and i think that keta could be like uh, an example of how apparently she's only been doing drag for two years by the way um yeah it's she was like i was a go-go dancer no no look at this look at the connections look at the makeup you've been doing drag for longer than that um but i just think that i i'm so sick of this like inexperienced again, this is spoken as someone who has very little myself, but like this inexperience being rewarded over people who've like done their time, like been part of the community. And I just, I would like to see someone who is at least slightly older as far as Drag Race goes win, because I think she's shown some incredible stuff. It'll be cool. But two weeks left. this, This season's flown by. Right. Where can we find you on social media, Venmo, and any projects you want to plug? Yeah. Um, I am underscore Atomic Annie on uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, if you are on it. Um, and my Venmo is just linked in the uh, bio of all of those accounts, uh, as well as my PayPal and Cash app. Uh, yeah, underscore Atomic Annie everywhere. Well, thank you for stepping in and chatting with me about Drag Race Holland. 100%. Thank you for having me. The biggest thanks to Atomic Annie for coming on. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Block Talk.